0: You are listening to a production of the Toll Network, home of biting Analysis. This is Moonspeak Phase 2, Episode 24, Eternal Struggle. Welcome to Moonspeak Phase 2, your source for weekly Sailor Moon Crystal Season 3 discussion and analysis. Um, I had uh, not really any news, because I don't think there is any news uh, on the current season of Crystal, is there? Except for, like, Blu-ray releases, which you can find on Mystery. Uh, right? Blu-
1: Blu-ray releases, I do think we're getting a second-ending theme at some point. I feel like that's something I saw going around, but I didn't actually like save that link um i okay. do think we're going to have like a chibi ending theme uh later
0: hmm. okay
1: uh which is relevant for reasons that will eventually come around okay. um but otherwise i don't i don't think there's any real news other than that season three is starting <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's here um well, we're going to complain about the lack of um, translation for the opening and ending songs uh, later on, like in a minute or two, but I want to let everyone know that I'm going to put in the show notes links to Miss Dream's uh, translations of the opening and ending. So anyway, the link will be there, and then you can get the lyrics or whatever you want. See the video with the lyrics on them, so thought you might want to treat yourself to that. Uh, okay, so... This week, uh, we're back with Moonspeak, and we're going to be discussing Sailor Moon Crystal Act 27, Infinity 1, Premonition Part 1, hyphen.
1: Um, I, I was hoping that, as I do over on Uncommon and Laser Knees, that I could give like writer credits, animation director credits, uh, dir- episode director credits, but... Uh, Wikipedia doesn't list them, and I can't find them anywhere else. Uh, if anyone does have a reliable source for those credits, if they could, you know, pass them on to us, I'd love to just give creative credits where they're due. Um, especially with the new animation, which is something we're going to talk about. But I wasn't able to find them for this week. Hopefully next week uh, we can get them and amend that.
0: Yeah, hopefully. And then I was thinking, um, just go to TV Asahi's website, but never mind. I'm not even, that's not the station they're airing on. And I don't know if the station that it is airing on in Japan does that like, uh, like the Toei.
1: Yeah. Race, I mean, I'm like, sure right. if I could actually read Japanese, I could just get it out of the opening credits or the ending credits. <laughs> but well, that's true unfortunately I have minimal Japanese literacy. <laughs> um, But again, if anyone can read them and get that information, or knows of a website that has that information, um, Wikipedia is useless to me at the moment. They- they stopped listing, like, animation directors midway through season two, or at the end of season- yeah, like, midway through season two, for some reason they just stopped listing- they just have it all as to be announced- And never updated those. Uh, They do have the episode directors and writers updated all the way through season two, but there just isn't anything listed at all for season three. So, uh, like I said, if anyone has that information and knows of a consistent, reliable source, uh, please do pass that on to us.
0: All right, well let's uh now that we're past the credit section that was not um let's go ahead and move into our uh rough demand section where we uh could talk about things that rubbed us the wrong way, as Prince Demond so frequently did.
1: That was his job
0: <laughs> um so i'll I'll go first um again, the no translations for the opening or the ending was really upsetting
1: agreed. It's, it just seemed really weird, and I mean, we both watched uh, the subs on Hulu, uh, yeah. correct? Uh, just, yeah. For some reason, they romanized the entire song <laughs> and put subs for that up, which seems like a really weird choice. They never did that for the first two seasons. It was just always uh, English translations. I don't know if they're going to be switching back and forth in the weird tradition of, like, old official DVD releases of things. Um, but, man, I, I would have just loved to, you know, get to enjoy the translations of the songs in my first experience well, with this opening.
0: Yeah, I, I would have enjoyed that, too. But I will say one good thing. It'll sure make my karaoke version easier to make. <laughs> so, thank you. of um, yeah. So, uh, let's see the next thing. Okay, so the hand-waving of the monsters away as just an evolutionary reversion was definitely strange, and, uh, we'll talk more about that later. Yeah. Um, (laughs) uh, Usagi and Mamoru not getting their morning kiss. Like, I just want them to have it, because times are gonna get rough. Um, we wouldn't be watching if things weren't gonna get exciting, and exciting usually means hard for our heroes, and, uh, I just want them to have that little bit of happiness before. Just, just give Um, them that one. (laughs) You know, not that physicality is the end all be all, but you know.
1: No, but nice, I mean, like so. it's it's a thing that they both consent to and enjoy. So just you know, let them have it. <laughs>
0: um, and then my final thing is uh, taking helicopters to school. <laughs> oh
1: no, I love it, and I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna discuss that a bit just just because it's the two of them.
0: D- d- did you see the Yu-Gi-Oh movie that was officially released in theaters? Out no. Here? no, no, no. Okay, <laughs> S- Seto Kaiba. Well,
1: that's Seto Kaiba. <laughs> he like lives in a helicopter. He lived was, on a blimp wor- for an entire season.
0: It's worse though. Oh God! He what actually game. gets into a blue eyes white dragon themed uh, oh like God. jet plane. And it's like, it's between like a, like a mech suit and a jet plane and he and Mokuba get in there and fly off to a pyramid or something. And it's just ridiculous. God bless Um,
1: Seto Kaiba.
0: Yeah. And this reminded me of that brand of like crazy rich anime person. So, uh,
1: the the reversions, uh, or the the excuse of reversion felt really awkward to me, too, uh, especially with how Daddy Kino just, like, explained it. He's like, okay, well, we all evolved from, like, previous primates, and this is just people reverting to that, but that's not at all what the monsters look like. (laughs) Like, it's a big smoke bug that comes out of people's back. How are you making that logical jump from point A to point B? Because I don't understand... (laughs)
0: Yeah, there's no way.
1: Um I'm also still having a hard time with Artemis sounding like he's like 40. <laughs> like the, his acting isn't bad. It's just a weird a weird voice for him. Uh especially with Luna not sounding that old. Um
0: uh I guess he was in the uh the secret base, right?
1: Yeah, that's that's when he has lines this episode. Um, he has, he has like two or three lines and he just, he sounds like he's 40 and he sounded like he was 40 last season and I can't deal with it. It's, it's not that bad. Um, it's not any kind of deal breaker by any means. And his acting isn't bad. It's just weird. It, he just, it's not a voice that I imagine coming from this cat. Right. Uh, speaking of these reversion monsters, the noise they make is just a guy yelling gal into a microphone with, like, it has a no- like a, a noise under it, but there's no, like, vocal distortion. And it's really hard to feel threatened by it. Um, <laughs> especially, like, watching Zuojar, Yeah. Where you've got this adorable lion man just yelling gal for fun now and then. Um... Okay, so did the girls just all transform in public? Like, with a ton Uh, of people around them? Like, Mamoru tells the girls to go fight the monster, and Naru and Umino are, like, right there. And there's no time for them to have gotten any distance away to not see this. And, like, there are people on the street at the end of the fight. like are, are
0: There were a lot of people. There was, like, 20 people.
1: Yeah, just, like, watching this. So, you know, are secret identities not a thing now? (laughs) Like, they didn't even duck Uh, into an alleyway.
0: Yeah, I mean, I always have a problem with, like, maintaining the secret identity thing in most stuff. So, like, I can't really say too much about it.
1: Like, it's just a thing that their identities have always, they've always, like, gone to lengths to not be seen transforming. And it, it just felt really odd that, like, other people don't know about... Like, Naru and, Omi- and Umino don't know that they can do this, but they weren't at all concerned with just, you know, doing this in front of them.
0: <laughs> right, especially when a, a plot point in uh, the at the end of Crystal Season 2, I guess, was that Naru, like, wanted to be there for Usagi and just did the best she could because she didn't know what this secret part of Usagi's life was.
1: Yeah, so it's it's really, it just felt really strange to me, just the pacing of that moment and how it just kind of happened without any thoughts to, okay, but like 50 people are going to see us. Um, I also really can't wait for the show to stop calling Haruka by male pronouns. I don't remember how prevalent that was in like these the early episodes of other arcs but I feel like we found out pretty quickly that Haruka was a woman um in the first show and in the manga and I don't think Haruka really cares what pronouns people use for her but it just kind of rubs me the wrong way having people around her like identifying her as male when she doesn't identify as male even if she's kind of relaxed with pro- I feel like she would be kind of relaxed with pronouns and is just like, I'm Haruka. You call me whatever you want, but, like, she's definitely a woman, and identifies as a woman, and it just- it feels odd to me that people don't know? Like, the, the people she works with at the racetrack would probably know like, from medical forms- Or her, like, changing in and out of her racing gear. And she has to have submitted medical forms to the school. Like, it it just sat really weird in my stomach listening to 20 minutes of people calling Haruka, who's always been kind of... She's been kind of this active, like, lesbian figure in my life. And... Like, it's just 20 minutes of people calling her male- by male pronouns when she's always kind of been very subversive of gender. Um, going back and forth between very masculine and very feminine while kind of holding on to her identity as a woman. And it just, it bothers me a lot more than it ever has.
0: Hmm. I mean, I have no, uh,. This is a whole new adventure for me, so I can't really speak to that, although I can understand it being weird for you. Um,
1: Like, it's it's one thing for, like, the girls who have never met her to be mistaking her for men. Like, that, I do remember that, like, being a thing that happened, and, like, that's one thing, but the, the people who are around her every day and know her very well and Michiru calling her by male pronouns... Feels very, very uncomfortable for me.
0: Now, is that something you feel is going to have a point to it? Or are you concerned that it's just going to be like this thing that hangs there for however long
1: and isn't really resolved? Like, I feel like once Michu and Haruka transform on screen, like, it's all just going to go away and suddenly Haruka's just going to be her it just, it sits very, very oddly with me. And I just really want it to not keep happening.
0: <laughs> um, of course, not to negate how you're feeling. I wonder, though, if... Because I didn't listen carefully enough to, like, how she referred to herself. Um, and I know some female characters can refer to themselves with, like, you know, the male version of I, or whatever yeah, in no, Japanese. I, I
1: do think that she refers to herself with, like, masculine... Uh, Like with Boku, Uh I was, I also wasn't paying close enough attention, but I do kind of remember her using that and that being part of the way she speaks, but it's still very, like for people to refer, for kind of the subs to refer to her as him, um... Like, I don't under, I don't really understand the point of that. I don't know if we're, like, we're trying to hide Haruka's gender when she's in the opening. (laughs) In, in her sailor armor.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I was gonna, I was getting to perhaps, uh, because, um, I mean, Sailor Moon's an old thing and it's, popular, and I would think Crystal has raised its popularity, especially because it's the 20th anniversary and everything. Um, I wonder how much of that might be, uh, a decision on the subbers, um, and I don't know if they have to get permission from Toei to make certain calls, um, that they want to keep it just a little bit more suspenseful or mysterious before the reveal. And that's, again, I enjoy dramatic irony, so that's not really a choice I would support, um, so, uh, like, I don't understand if that is the thing. And then, obviously, it's in the opening credits and everything um, that she's a Sailor Guardian. So, like, I, I, I don't get it either.
1: It's, it just it feels very, very uncomfortable for me, and I just want them to stop doing it. Again, I don't remember how long that went on in, in the original series or in, in the manga. Um, I don't feel like it was very long. But again, this is only one episode, um, yeah. but it's one episode out of like 26 instead of like the, the 40 something that a season of Sailor Moon used to be. Right. Um,
0: so you feel the impact a lot more.
1: Yeah. It's, it just sits very, very weirdly with me and I want it to stop like right away. <laughs>
0: Uh, all right, well, that's enough nastiness. Let's uh move on to the positive things. So we've got, you know, some lovely frills to talk about. Um, this is a category for anything that we found just kind of uh catching and lovely. Um, so I really enjoyed Luna watching TV with Poskino. Like, that's just so great. Um I know I've gotten or I've glimpsed a cat watching TV next to me or, you know, on the couch, a distance away or whatever. And it's just a really funny sight, And it makes it doubly funny. Cause I'm sure he doesn't realize that she actually knows what's going on. And she's watching interestedly, um, <laughs> this news report about a monster attack. So like, it's just, it's a great visual gag and it's so simple and it's just, it's right there. So
1: yeah, and, I
0: really appreciate it. And that.
1: then like Diana joining them and being like, Oh man, mom, Mom, what's this thing going on? <laughs> Do we got to worry about this? Yeah, kid, we got to worry about this.
0: Uh and then the next thing like Diana follows Chibiusa to school at least part way and like that's just really sweet and funny. Um cuz you know, cats wander off, but uh the thought of their cat wandering off and like, you know, following Chibiusa like a good distance to school, all, all the way to that park with the fountain and then, you know, doing whatever with the rest of her day is just really precious. <laughs> Um, (coughs) excuse me, uh, okay, something serious that I really loved was Usagi's resolve to soldier on, even as she senses things are going to get tough again. Um, it's just, she's such an impressive, good character, and, like, such a great role model.
1: She
0: is. Uh, then the, uh, start of the arcade scene was, like, great, uh it was great comedy and great character work because it just, it uses the personalities of all the girls in just such a funny way and I was really happy with that. Um, okay, so the battle near the end I thought was super cool and, you know, I don't always need fights in my Sailor Moon but, you know, they're pretty rockin' so it's nice when they come. Um, but like, this was cool because there were all these interesting new attacks and, uh, Ami used her uh like glasses or goggles or for analysis and i just love that detail and it's so cool to see she's like a witch but she's techy and that makes me really happy and it's cuz she's smart and speaking of that i love how takuchi like really put thought into making all the girls have unique abilities and methods of fighting and uh it's just it's cool cuz it sh- showcases their individuality and it gives variety and it makes the fights more dynamic and exciting
1: it is and they really do all have like ami has has this tech. Uh, Rei is very much the spiritual fighter. Uh, Minako is kind of the close range. And then you've got uh, Makoto. Makoto and Minako kind of switch off on close range and distance, Uh, whereas this time uh, Minako had the sword. And then uh, Makoto used kind of this distance lightning-wind attack. And then Usagi is generally the healer. (laughs) So they're they're a very balanced party. Uh, fall to fall yeah, back and- on on my
0: D <laughs> and just a, a quick thing like i love that usagi's the healer that's just so cool that she, the team leader isn't the strongest and the mightiest necessarily even though she kind of is but like the focus of her is like healing and, and repairing the way things are and that's just so cool
1: yeah um i loved that naru got to go to the arcade with the other girls And, you know, the series didn't really leave her behind as Usagi's best friend of forever before she met all of these new people. Um, Because that kind of happens uh, in previous incarnations. Uh, Naru just kind of shows up less and less as time goes on. Uh, But she got to go to the arcade with, with all of Usagi's new friends, and they got to play together, and I thought that was really nice. Um... I like the new eye-catches of uh, Uranus and Neptune. I thought they were very pretty. Agreed. The scene talking about Mugen Academy was so reminiscent of... Kind of the attitude of the first series. Uh, Just the way that uh, kind of exaggerated expressions were used. Minako getting so excited about, like, famous people and wanting to be an (laughs) idol. And Makoto just being like, yeah... Yeah, that's a, that's Ami Nako, and kind of the comedy beats of Ray and Ami uh, doing that bit about Usagi and how Ray being like, "Oh well, if it's a place for geniuses, then of course Usagi doesn't know about it." And Ami being like, "Ray, Ray, no, you're you're going, you're being too correct. You're going to make her feel bad." And it it all felt very natural and very much like the girls that I'm used to. Um, I do really like. Uh, seeing the new attacks for Venus and Jupiter, which are ones that the first series didn't use. Uh, they were... Hmm. I know they've been used in a couple of video games and uh, and in the manga, but they've never had, like, an anime adaptation before. Uh, it was neat to see Minako still using the Holy Sword, because I'm pretty sure that may not have come back in the first show.
0: Huh. I really love how the Holy Sword just, like, popped out of a like, bead or whatever, like, a heart.
1: She just kind of has like, it. <laughs> it's cool.
0: <laughs> no, but that, I, I, I... She's magical. It's okay, you yeah. um,
1: know? I do really want to, to bring up the new opening sequence because I absolutely adore it. Like, I had... Once it was over, I had to pause for a few minutes before I went into the episode because I got way too emotional. Um, <laughs> and I needed to take a few minutes to cry it out. Uh, Moon Pride was a really strong opening, and it has a special place in my heart, but it was something that was, in its own way, trying to separate Crystal from previous incarnations, because it had, you know, like, the 3D bits, and um, it was very much trying to be its own thing. Um, Where our our new opening, I feel, nods a lot more towards, you know, the old fans, and and kind of the age of the franchise, uh, not in a way that would really isolate anyone coming into the franchise now, but it draws very heavily on images, um, from the S season opening, which was, uh, this, the first series, uh, incarnation of the Deathbusters infinity arc. Um, most notably like sailor moon transforming into super sailor moon up against the night sky and the full moon, uh, the sequence of all of them flying,
0: which is gorgeous. Which is
1: amazing and I keep get I've, it's been like four days now and I still get really emotional watching it. Um, the shot that shifts between the three outers uh, is very similar to the one that was in the old opening. Uh, There's also that shot of Usagi as Neo Queen Serenity, like from above, standing over a pool of water with these rose petals flying overhead. uh, That's actually very reminiscent of a shot in the second opening of the first season. Hmm. Um, It took me forever to figure to find where that shot was from, because I thought it was from uh, a different arc, but it wasn't. I thought it was from uh, the Black Moon arc, but it was from Dark Kingdom and it was very difficult finding finding all of those openings. A lot of them seem to have been pulled off the internet. Um, but the Deathbusters arc is very iconic to a lot of longtime fans of the franchise. Um, so to see shots that were such a key part of the opening of that arc, because that was the first one that didn't change heavily as it changed, they just kind of were adding like, adding the outers as they were introduced and, uh, changing some shots, uh, like, to add things to shots instead of doing an entirely different opening, uh, so to see, to see that was really nice, and it makes me feel like the people working on Crystal and on this version of the Infinity Arc kind of, like, they really wanted to make it special towards the people coming back in, coming back with the franchise, um, there's also this really interesting choice in in this new opening to have Sailor Moon in just the the armor bodysuit, but without the boots and gloves and tiara or the hair adornments for most of the opening until she transforms into Super Sailor Moon. Um, and it's just it's a really striking visual because it's not something that ever happens. And I'm a little torn on what I think the meaning of it is because on one hand like walking barefoot is kind of risky um and you could take it as usagi being strong enough to just be running around as she's literally running barefoot without fear of whatever she may encounter that could hurt her especially since there are rose petals everywhere meaning there have got to be roses nearby um which would hurt if you stepped on them and could very easily cut like, her now exposed arms and legs. And she's not concerned about that at all, really. But on the other hand, she goes directly from this state into Super Sailor Moon, which may lean toward those missing pieces being a visual indication that Sailor Moon, as, she, as her power is now, isn't enough for what's coming. Uh, she's always been strong, but now she needs to be stronger. Like, Sailor Moon, as she is now, is lacking and needs to grow, and I think that's actually a really nice visual way to present that idea, if that's kind of what they're trying to do.
0: I like the point you make about it representing, like, maybe she's not enough right now, because I was almost thinking as you were talking about it, well, maybe it is saying that she does have enough? I don't know, because I got this sense from... um, from like her resolve this episode and then from her because that's at the end of the scene with Mamoru and Chibiusa and then she goes to the arcade I think the arcade's the scene immediately after yeah and she says something about her friends that like as long as the five of us are together there's nothing we can't overcome and that kind of it's interesting because in the end of one scene she says like I'll be fine and then at the beginning of the next scene, she says, with my friends, we can overcome anything. So it's like almost this juxtaposition because we've seen that at the end of both arcs, uh, that like she needed to stand on her own and have the strength and belief in herself, uh, <laughs> without having a rose throne, um, like to do what she needed to do and to, to save the day basically like on her own inner strength and I don't know, maybe it's a case of like a contradictory me- message um, that isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's just sometimes you need you know contradictory messages because both things are important to emphasize at different points and in different ways.
1: Yeah, and I mean like in in both of the previous arcs, it was very much she needed the strength to stand on her own to fight, but she always got that strength from having everyone behind her. Like, she yeah, was able to do what she needed to do because she had everyone else to help her move forward. And it's as soon as she transforms into Super Sailor Moon in the opening, she goes from running on the ground to... by running on the ground by herself to immediately flying through the sky with everyone, with all of them kind of releasing power in their wake. Um, yeah. So there, I think there's a lot there to kind of think about as as we're moving forward. Hmm.
0: Even as a visual metaphor, like, that's just so striking and beautiful, um, but I really hope we get to see all the girls flying, because, like, that's something I'm really into with my super heroic stories. Um, obviously I don't want Spider-Man flying, but, like, you know, other people, it's great, so. <laughs> um, uh, let's go ahead and move on to, uh, quotable quotes. Um, so this is, uh, we're reviving this kind of from last, last time we were doing Sailor Moon episodes, uh, we're going to talk about either, like, the best line in the episode or the worst line. And I think we both have uh, besties this time, right? Yes. <laughs> uh, I really loved uh, Usagi's late and her mom, uh, her mom's name is uh, Ikuko, is that right? Yes. Okay. She's like... Kind of lamenting the fact that her daughter just doesn't have her act together, and it's pretty funny because Chibi Usagi's down there, uh, at the dinner, at the breakfast table, or at the table eating breakfast, and she says, Usagi is a perpetual child. And I just love the fact that Chibi Usagi is saying that because she was, until recently, an actually perpetual child.
1: <laughs> she, she is it's a just... <laughs> child full of irony, and I do, I do love that about her. Uh, my favorites were uh, "The sea will be rough today" via Michiru, and "The wind is it's a strong wind today" via Haruka as they get into these helicopters to fly to school because God, they are drama queens, <laughs> and I love that about them. Um, they're well, j-
0: they are Neptune and Uranus, so yeah, like it's it's, it's-
1: they—they j- just have to be so dramatic about everything and. It's amazing.
0: Uh, alright, so that was a, a brief fun little section, but now we're gonna move on to the Inquisition and uh I got questions to ask about this episode and um uh, mostly I do these, but when Sono feels like it she'll throw in question two too and we'll just kinda bounce off each other. So first question. Uh how do you like the reintroduction of our
1: main cast? Ami killed me. Like that girl was so happy. Usagi walks in and, like, Ami's the first one to do anything. She's the, she's the first one to acknowledge it and her, her first response, the first thing that comes out of her mouth is to tease Usagi that she's so late that Ami was able to read an entire book in the meantime. Like, she's comfortable and happy enough to sit in a public place, doing something she enjoys, like being with people and being with her friends, and engaging in kind of this affectionate teasing. And that's so far from the girl she was when we were first introduced to her way, way back in episode two of the first arc, where she couldn't even really make eye contact with people, she didn't talk to anyone, she didn't go anywhere or socialize, and I'm just so proud of her that in that moment, she's just so happy and, like, willing to tease her friends and be in an arcade. And, like, even be willing to do something not very arcade-like while she's in the arcade. Like, she, she's comfortable enough to, like, not be worried about, her, about people, like, teasing her for being a bookworm. Um, but it was really great to see all of them, and I, I really did like the introduction of them just kind of enjoying their life as normal people, uh, Minako especially, with how little she got to do that in the first two arcs, um, and she's really the, the one we see engaging in their setting and, like, playing this video game to have fun, and, like, telling Usagi, like, Usagi, come play this with me, this is awesome, um, It was also really nice to see Usagi react so warmly to Chibiusa, um, especially with all of the struggles she had with her in the last arc. Like, they still bicker, but it's now a very affectionate bickering, and Usagi doesn't get, like, actually for real upset over Chibiusa, like, running in to hug Mamoru, or, like, calling her a child, or saying, like, you forgot your lunch, you need to slow down and eat breakfast. Usagi's like, yeah, yeah, okay, Chibiusa, whatever. But then Chibiyusa runs off to school and, and, like, Usagi's standing there smiling, being like, aw, this is my daughter. Look at her. I'm so proud. I'm happy, like, I'm happy to, that she's here. And that was really nice to see.
0: Uh, For my part, um, I was really stricken by how Usagi has changed, but it's still the same. Uh, she's up late for school again and trying to balance everything in her life, but when it comes to dealing with serious business and embracing a destiny of hard work and fighting for her happiness, she is so ready for it. Now, she isn't resigned to her fate or enthusiastic about fighting, but she knows that life is hard and resolves to face hardship with the faith that she can overcome whatever awaits her. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, Chibi Usagi's uh, interactions with mom, Pasquino, were, uh, really sweet, and her running off to, uh, walk to school with, um, some friends, uh after meddling with <laughs> uh Mamarunasagi was so great. Um this kid has been through so much and I'm happy to see her adjusting well. I mean, if you remember, she was bullied in uh
1: She was you know, bullied the, for like several hundred years.
0: Yeah, I mean and that's what ultimately led to in various ways, uh you know, the whole Dark Kingdom arc. Um or I'm sorry. Black Moon. Is that the wrong one? Black Moon. Black Moon, thank you. Um so like it's a really big deal to see that now, and it's just a small, simple thing, just these girls running up to her and saying, come on, let's go to school, um, but it just made me so happy for her. Um, and then for the rest of the girls, it was so nice to see them. Um, Ray and Ami's reactions to Usagi at the arcade were hilarious and on point. Um, I picked up on an extra edge of like flirty playfulness from Ray that was fun to see and seems indicative of her growth since meeting the others, because she was kind of like... Stiff or angry. Yeah, she,
1: she was playful. very, she was very, very distant and now she's willing to be like, oh yeah, that's Arusagi, always late, <laughs> but she's ours and we love her.
0: Right. Uh, and then like Minako and Makoto fangirling over Haruka and their love of being in love was like really great. Um, it's never, well, anyway, uh, it's just, it's something fun. Um, and like the changing dynamics make everyone feel really organic and, uh, I know you said it felt like a return to who the girls were and how they acted in the original series, and uh for me, I don't really have that, but still, I, it's a positive change, uh, and it just feels like it reflects a growth to me as opposed to, like, a correcting of the course, you know?
1: Yeah. And, like, it, it is a little of both, I think, because now they've been through these two major battles together, and they've had kind of this time to relax... And are able to just kind of come together as friends instead of as warriors. And just kind of calm down and get to know each other a little better. Where they haven't, they didn't really have the time to do that that they had in the first, in the first anime. Because it, back then it was like maybe 50 or 60 episodes where more than that. God, I, my, my sense of how many episodes are in a thing is really off. Like pe- people have told me like Trigon is like 26 episodes.
0: I believe that is correct. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I feel like Trigon is like 80 episodes. <laughs> uh, uh, so I, but I know like the, the encompassing of the whole first series of Sailor Moon is 200 episodes, but I have a hard time wow. mentally breaking that apart. Uh, into all of the arcs, but I feel like there was a lot more time uh, within within the first anime for them to kind of have downtime that they weren't able to have in Crystal that they're having now uh, that's really nice to see. And
0: thank goodness for that change. <laughs> they really need it.
1: They've earned it. Um,
0: yeah. Uh, okay, so, by the way, I was thinking um, Crystal always felt really fast to me, and now we've been watching Ghost for what, like uh four months,
1: maybe? More six months? More than that, six months. We're we're yeah. about at the halfway point.
0: And Ghost is just like a blitz, and I think I was thinking about how fast uh you know the you know, Sailor Moon is also, and I thought, you know, maybe that's the the best way for things to go. Anyway, um I'm gonna talk about the nineties uh version a little bit. Uh the animation style's changed and um it's taking much more license now with expressions like how they did in the nineties anime and I Wanna Know Sono as a veteran of Sailor Moon, how does that work for you?
1: I'm really happy about it. Like I know that was an issue that a lot of people had with the first two seasons of Crystal that everyone felt very stiff. Um and I feel like Toei animation really did kind of absorb those complaints about Seasons 1 and 2, and decided to be a little looser with the animation and let the girls really feel more alive. And, like, they're expressive teenage girls, and now they feel like it. Um, I love the new stock footage sequences, the 2D stock footage. I didn't mind the 3D ones as much. They felt very jarring. But... They didn't bother me quite as much as, as some people, um, but the new ones just feel so much smoother and more natural. And I really do hope that all of this sticks. Uh, the new animation, I feel, has a lot more heart to it. Um, there were not nearly the amount of animation errors that there were um, early on in the previous seasons. I still haven't recovered from episode two of uh, of Dark Kingdom. That was bad. Um. And I mean, this is not perfect in places, but it never dragged me out of the moment the way it did sometimes, especially in, within the first arc of Crystal. Um, so I, I really do think they, they made a good choice switching here. The animation is really beautiful now, and it, it just feels like a modernized version of the animation from the 90s show. Whereas the first two seasons felt very much like they were trying to change the visual style to be a lot more like the manga. Uh, Whereas now I think they found kind of a nice halfway point.
0: Okay. Uh for me uh, I very much enjoy the shift in animation. It feels higher quality, more consistent, and more natural. Uh even as they go super deformed <laughs> a few times. Like I don't know if it's nostalgia or just good craftsmanship, but I really enjoy characters going dramatically off model for comedic effect in the show. It packs a lot of extra punch in scenes like the arcade where Ami mean, unintentionally like further slights Usagi by fanning Ray's burn. Um, <laughs> and uh it's really nice that after the break everyone has a new look. It feels like more of a natural growth and change as opposed to just uh, something outside of, of the show in the meta that, like, oh, it's a new animation studio or, or different animation style. Yeah. Um, okay, so next question. Uh, Haruka and Michiru each share a moment with Usagi and Mamoru. How did those moments play for you?
1: I'm glad that 20 years later, Haruka and Michiru are still the absolute drama queens that they have always been. And, like, knowing them, it's so hard to take them seriously sometimes with their helicopters to school and their, like, dramatic, <laughs> oh, the sea is angry. Like, ladies, take a chill pill. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I know you're nerds. <laughs> no one else has found out yet, but some of us know you. Um, but the two of them kind of know exactly what they're doing in those moments with Usagi and Mamoru. Like, they're kind of pushing the boundaries that those two have to kind of see what the two of them know, what they don't know, how much they're willing, they're able to recognize. And I thought they were really good moments, uh, kind of between the two of them. Or the four of them, sort of.
0: Right. (laughs) The two pairs. Yeah. Um,. Okay, so for me, um, and Michu are obviously measuring up Usagi and Mamoru for something. Uh, they're also Sailor Guardian, excuse me, Sailor Guardians, and are somehow connected to Pluto and Silver Millennium, but are antagonistic to our girls somehow. Uh, the fact that they are a couple that they paired off, Haruku and Usagi and Michu and Mamoru, and the fact that Haruku loves, or sorry, looks very much like a blonde Mamoru to me makes me wonder just how much we should be suspect of a tangle in the threads of fate, which by the way, I wrote that before reading Mistreams translation and Eternal Eternity has a line about the threads of fate being tangled or untangled. So I just think that's interesting that maybe I'm picking up on like they're doing a good job of laying down stuff that I'm picking up about like what might be happening with them in the future. Um anyway. Uh so We've been shown that Mamaru and Asagi marry and are century long partners and I'd like that to be a like a true statement for them, um, like forever because of personal reasons. I just, I really like monogamy. I think it's pretty cool. Um, but I almost feel like that could be altered for a time and that could be interesting to see. Um, Mitru mentions Mamaru having been a prince in a past life. So I get the sense that she knows that about him, like really knows. It's not just a guess and you know, that's either from her magic mirror or just cause she's been a you know, Senshi for who knows how long um and I'm interested to see how that'll play off in the future, but like I'm getting a little bit off the point of the question. uh the moments work really well for me because obviously they have me um like spinning trying to figure out what's going on, and they do a really good job of setting up tension and like adding to this foreboding mood that's being set up for this you know beginning of the show um so. Uh, last question? Yes. Uh, Do the reversion monsters remind you way too much of uh, Queen Metallia?
1: Not in any sort of negative way. I mean, the animation style is a little similar, but Sailor Moon has some very iconic visual cues, um, and you can only really represent a semi-formless monster in so many ways. Um, (laughs) But in action, they're very much more feral and kind of prone to emulating a shape than Metallia was. And, I mean, maybe it's just my history with the franchise, but I didn't really even think of Metalia until reading the question.
0: Um, well, that's good. <laughs> uh, like, for me, I would say, uh, no. Uh, they did it first, and I was... It, uh, sorry. <clears throat> I only say... Or, I'm sorry, I only saw flashes of them in the preview, and it didn't play very well. Um, Like, I totally thought Metallia at that time, but seeing them in the episode has really helped me get past that. The sound work done with them, you know, gal, <laughs> and, like, the actual full body view of them, I mean, because that's not what Metallia sounded like, um, but, like, then seeing them in full view doing what they do, like, disabused me of any sense that the reversion monsters are in any way a rehash of Metallia. Also, I enjoy how sinister and gross they are, and I'm excited to uh, see the new monstrosities, because I'm thinking that they're going to be, like, a different shape every single time. Yeah. Which would be really groovy.
1: Though, though when I came back to it, I watched I watched the episode again earlier today, uh, just, you know, to kind of refresh myself before we did this. Um, and we actually haven't talked about the opening scene at all, but uh, I'm going to bring it up now. Uh, because the intro- our introduction to Pharaoh 90 feels very much like Metalia and how she spoke to Beryl and Wiseman and how he spoke to Demond. Um, which I think is kind of another use of the sort of repeating visuals that Takeichi uses throughout Sailor Moon.
0: Um, I, I think that's true, and um, I kind of think like there's a little bit of a danger in that. Uh, like, could it be boring? Could it be too same? Could it feel like a ripoff? It could, but it depends on the execution, and I think here it's executed well enough that I don't really get that sense. So... Um, so that's a good thing. Um, although I will say, uh, Pharaoh 90 is like a really awesome name and it's pretty bonkers and it just makes me wonder like, you know, where are Pharaohs one through 89? And, uh, I just, Every, so everyone, everyone
1: really gets numbers in our, in this arc. There's, there's Pharaoh 90, there's, uh, the witches five of whom that woman was one of.
0: Mm, Um, there's another
1: character with a number in their name, uh, later, (laughs) later down the line. Um, so for some reason, all of our villains are numbered, uh, in this arc. Uh, Why not, I guess, right? (laughs) We also have the, uh, the sleeping girl who has the same dream as Mamoru. Uh, yes. (laughs) Just just kind of bringing that up so that she's in your mind. She's important. Yeah, and...
0: And there is, you know, the, I mentioned foreboding earlier, and like, obviously this episode's called Premonition, and it's supposed to entail like, you know, things are getting stirred up and things are not going to be good for our girls, but like, uh I really think that they did a good job of making that play, because like, everything here in this episode, while there were happy moments and while uh, it was nice to see everybody together again, uh, definitely made me... Or gave me the sense that, you know, things yeah. are not good I mean, and something bad is stirring and bubbling and it's all, you know, going to come crashing down. Probably in the second episode it'll start.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, there's also so. that, uh, that third new guardian, that third new angry-looking guardian in the opening.
0: You jo- oh, As- aside yes. from Uranus uh,
1: and Neptune. Uh, I'm, I'm just pointing out things that I know stuff about, but I want you to, you know, keep in your mind. For reasons. Yeah, There was a
0: girl with dark, dark hair, right? Like dark, short hair yep. and like a staff with a blade on it, like a halberd S- or a glaive glaive. Okay. So like I did notice her too. And well, anyway, I don't want to get too much into speculation, but, uh, it, it will all come yes, in I... time,
1: but I definitely <laughs> want, uh, just want you to keep those things at the front of your mind for reasons
0: because <laughs> it's more fun that way. Yes. Um,
1: I also, I also okay. just don't well, want people listening to think that we, uh, we overlooked those things, okay, uh, yeah, in, and in discuss, in, you know, getting overexcited about returning to our girls <laughs> and, uh, the, the two new drama queens who have shown up.
0: Um, so, okay. Well, I, I think, and I, I appreciate that. It's good. Uh, we, we don't want to get called out for that. Um, cause we definitely do know what's going on at least a little bit. Um, but uh, I think that pretty much brings us to a close to our episode. Um unless there's anything else you want to add or say or uh, anything we need to discuss before we get out of here?
1: No, I think that that wraps up uh the first episode of the Deathbusters arc pretty nicely.
0: All right, great. Um let's uh go ahead and sign off then. I don't know how we do this anymore cuz it's been a while. Yeah. Um <laughs> Um I guess I guess people can find you at Mama Fries Meal on Twitter, right?
1: Uh Mama Fries Meal at Twitter and Tumblr, a uh, brand new love song on Instagram and Etsy. Uh I don't know, drop me a line wherever. I love chatting with people.
0: Also, people should check out your Patreon.
1: Yes, uh you can check out my Patreon for uh you know, I'm working on a ma- little magical girl thing at the moment. Um, uh, you know, coming, coming from my roots in Sailor Moon, doing a little magical girl thing. I've got a couple of, you know, common Rider, magical girl-ish, uh, ga- video games planned, uh, that I would love s- some, some support in being able to get out. Cause I do have, uh, bills I got to pay every month and, uh, these are my way of paying them. Uh, so if you could check out the Patreon, uh, Watermelon Bees uh, is my account on Patreon, uh, Brand New Love Song is my Etsy shop. Uh, I do a lot of doll clothes and uh, embroidered patches. Uh, you can always, uh, most of them right now are Common are Rider and Super Sentai, but I always take custom orders. Uh, if you want some Sailor Moon things, or other Magical Girl things, or just something you want in general, I can make that happen uh so feel free to check me out, contact me. Would love to hear from y'all.
0: All right, and um let's see you can find me at uncommonrx and our Tumblr is uncommonrx.tumblr.com and uh you can find Moonspeak as well as Writer Jump. We just did two Writer Jumps uh, published in the same week, I believe. Um One's about uh Common Writer nineteen seventy one and the other one is about the writer sentai crossover. That wasn't. Um so that was interesting. And uh it was we're gonna a get back bit. on track. <laughs> yeah, it was a little bit. Um we're gonna get back on track with doing uh laser knees and uh Uncommon Cast R X, which you can also find on uh trial of heroes dot wordpress dot com, all under the Tow Network uh series of podcasts, I guess. And um you can expect those to go back to normal, but you can find all that stuff there and it's uh there's a lot of good stuff. There's um old uh crystal reviews. Uh I don't know quite if we're gonna be getting uh text reviews for Sailor Moon Crystal up um uh season three every week, just because like there's a lot going on, so we'll just have to double check on that. But uh Yeah, the the anyway, two of us of...
1: are doing three shows a week now.
0: This is true. <laughs> um, so anyway. Uh, things are busy and, uh, things are good, but you can go ahead and check out all our stuff and make sure to rate and subscribe to, uh, raise our visibility on iTunes and get other people listening to us. And, uh, yeah, that'd be good. And you can check out, um, all the shows now are, are on iTunes and you can just get them through the, you know, vanilla RSS, uh, that you can get on an Android or just for your computer or whatever. So you can go ahead and check that out and, yeah. uh, we'll get out of here. Also, one more thing. Sono made, um, awesome intro outro music for this show as well as Laser Knees which uh, should be on all the episodes from here on out So I am am
1: having fun uh, with that I do release uh, I haven't released the uh, openings for the podcasts on my Patreon but I do sometimes do some other songs that I'm going to be putting into games Uh, I do release those uh, for my backers uh, and no one else they're the only ones who have those songs right now other than me um, I think I may have released one of them on my Tumblr, but there should be three or four of them that are out on my Patreon, uh, if that's a thing you'd be interested in. Um, so that's always fun. Uh, so you know, f- all feel free to check that out. If you have any feedback for the show, uh, any opinions on things we're saying, questions we're answering, uh, feel free drop us a line. We'll be happy to to talk about that too. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and I think I'm going to go ahead and, like we do with Laser Knees and Uncommon Castorix, open up uh, on via our Tumblr and Twitter um, like submission for questions uh, from listeners uh, regarding Sailor Moon.
1: Yeah, uh, so you know we'd love to hear from you guys. We love doing feedback. Uh, that's that's often some of the most fun parts of our other shows.
0: All right, and uh, with that, we will officially get out of here. So, uh, everyone, until next time, stay magical.
1: See y'all next week. Now that these are weekly.